following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Two Point Conversation Football Talk for Fans by Fans right here on the network at BICBP-radio.com. My name is Matt Johnson, your host for the first half portion of this show. Um, we, this is a, we're in two-parter season now. The season gets nearer. Uh, Going to start off with our weekend roundup, of course, Wild Card Weekend. Uh, uh, almost complete. We've got some Monday Night Football to go with it. And the, the second part of the episode will be... Uh, of course, the, the What If series, NFL History What If series is back So, um, with Andrew Lenz and myself. So that should be fun. But, um, yes, what a wild, super wild card weekend that we have uh, we have experienced. A couple, uh, you know, some teams winning the games that they're supposed to, let it, some blowouts, uh, an upset, maybe another upset. I don't know. Um, it's, it's absolute pandemonium right now. But a uh, pretty solid weekend of football. And uh, let's not waste any time. Let's get into this thing. So, first game we're going to talk about is the uh, Las Vegas Raiders and the Cincinnati Bengals, the fourth and fifth seed in the AFC. Cincinnati advanced a 26-19 victory. They controlled most of the game. Um, but the Raiders did make it interesting throughout and in, actually in the quarter. A uh, controversial touchdown with a with a whistle blown. It was... Um, it was, it was something of a game, but Cincinnati went big. The first half win since, I believe, 1990, um, which is, uh, you know, pretty significant. I think now the Lions have the longest playoff win drought, I believe. Um, so that's, yeah, that's pretty interesting. Joe Burrow and Derek Carr just going at it. Uh, tit for tat. Big Bob's Jamar Chase being Jamar Chase. It was a, uh, it was, it was legitimately one heck of a game. It pretty good. And, uh. Yeah, a, a, a disappointing ending for the Raiders season. They did make it to the postseason. Uh, I do think that, that Rich Passaccia should be head coach going forward, but uh, I don't know if that's going to be the case. I, I don't know what the Raiders are going to do. So, But, um, yeah, Bengals advance. I We don't know. At the time of recording right now, I don't know who they're going to play yet. It could be Buffalo if Pittsburgh somehow upsets Kansas City. Um, yeah, it, the Bengals will play. Buffalo. If not, if everything kind of goes through, um, Bengals will play Tennessee next week in Tennessee. But here are your scoring plays for this game. Opened up with a Dan Carlson 47-yard field goal for the Raiders. 3-0 lead there. And then C.G. Yuzumama 7-yard touchdown reception from Joe Burrow. 7-3 lead there for the Bengals. And then an Evan McPherson 31-yard field goal is good. 10-3 lead. Second quarter. McPherson a 30-yard field goal. 13-3 lead. And then Carlson is a 28-yard field goal. For the Raiders, right at six to thirteen, Tyler Boyd catches a tenure touchdown streak from Joe Burrow. I believe that was a controversial um, whistle play. We'll call it whistle gate. Twenty to six lead for the Bengals, and then uh, Zay Jones, thirteen seconds left in the half, catches a fourteen-yard touchdown pass from Derek Carr, thirteen to twenty. Third quarter, Evan McPherson hits a forty-three-yard field goal, twenty-three thirteen lead. In the fourth quarter, Carlson hits a thirty-four-yard field goal for the Raiders, sixteen to twenty-three. Uh, 
McPherson hits a 28-yard field goal for the Bengals, 26-16. And the final points of the game, Dan Carlson, a 28-yard field goal, uh, 26-19 is your final score. Your stats for this game. Stats for this game. Leading passer. Passers. Let's start off with the Raiders. Um, Derek Carr, 29-54, 310 yards, one touchdown, one INT. Let's go to rushing leader for the Raiders. Josh Jacobs, 13 carries, 83 yards. And your leading receiver for the uh, for the Raiders, Darren Waller, 7 catches, 76 yards. For the Bengals, Joe Burrow, 24-34, 244 yards passing, 2 touchdowns. Uh, leading rusher was Joe Mixon, 17 carries, 48 yards. And leading receiver, Jamar Chase, 9 catches, 116 yards. Bengals advance over Raiders, 26-19. Next up. Uh, the Buffalo Bills handed it to the New England Patriots, 47-17, to a one-sided manslaughter. That's what uh, <laughs> that's what we'll call this thing. It was it was pretty ugly. It was pretty ugly, and Buffalo just piled on points the entire time. Um, probably one of the worst playoff showings for a Bill Belichick team, um, at least for the Patriots. I don't know. I can't speak on his Browns tenure, but um, at least for the Patriots, it was it was. Pretty pretty bad. Frigid conditions, and Buffalo just chucked the ball the whole time. It was it was it was impressive. No punts. Buffalo legitimately scored on every single drive. So, uh, which was a playoff first ever in NFL history. So uh, pretty significant there. But yeah, Bills are advancing. They, as we said, we know who their opponent's going to be just yet. It could be um, it could be KC in the divisional round, or it could be it could be the Bengals. We shall see. But let's look at uh, your scoring drives for this game. Scoring plays, excuse me. All right, opened up. Dawson Knox, eight-yard touchdown uh, reception from Josh Allen, seven nothing lead. Then Knox caught an eleven-yard touchdown pass to go up fourteen nothing. Austin Corner, Devin Singletary, a three-yard touchdown run uh, with a missed PAT, twenty nothing lead there. Uh, Devin Singletary had a sixteen-yard touchdown run. Uh, 27 of the lead, and then just before halftime, Nick Folk for the Patriots. 44-yard fuel, 3-27. Third quarter, Emmanuel Sanders catches a 34-yard touchdown pass and another blocked PAT, but the Bills are up 33. Kendrick Bourne catches the first touchdown pass for Mac Jones in the playoffs. Uh, Three-yard touchdown at 10-33. And fourth quarter, the Bills just pile it on. Gabe Davis, 19-yard touchdown reception, 40-10 to lead. Tommy Doyle. One-yard touchdown reception from Josh Allen, a 47-10 lead. And then uh, the final point is Kendrick Bourne catches a four-yard touchdown pass from Mac Jones, 17-47. Your stat leaders are as follows. For the visiting Patriots, Mac Jones, 24-38, 232 yards passing, two touchdowns, two INTs. Uh, leading rusher, Damian Harris, nine carries the yards. And your leading receiver, Kendrick Bourne, seven catches, 77 yards, two touchdowns. For the Bills, Josh Allen, 21-25, 390, 308, excuse me, 308 yards passing, five touchdowns. Uh, leading in single Terry, 16 carries, 81 yards, two touchdowns. And your leading receiver, Dawson Knox, five catches, 89 yards, and two touchdowns. Bills making it past the Patriots, 47-17. to Next up, Tampa Bay and Philadelphia. Tampa Bay having their way with the Eagles. Uh... Yeah, first-year head coach Nick Sirianni getting his uh, yeah got a, got his uh, got a 
full helping of, of Tom Brady and company. Uh, the game was a lot further apart than the score revealed. I would dare so say that offense could not get anything going. I watched bits and pieces of it, and Philadelphia just looked flat. Um, on the other hand, Tampa Bay just doing Tampa Bay things. Their defense showed out. Their their passing game showed out. Um, I don't think too many people pick Philadelphia to upset Tampa. So, um, yeah, the Bucks went thirty-one to fifteen. Your scoring drives for this game are as follows. I gotta stop saying scoring drives, scoring plays. All right, first quarter, Giovanni Bernard touchdown run, seven nothing lead, and then Keyshawn Vaughn a one yard run, fourteen nothing. Second quarter, Ryan Suckup thirty four yard field goal, seventeen nothing lead there. Uh, third quarter, Rob Gronkowski catches a two yard touchdown pass from Brady, twenty four nothing, and then Mike Evans a thirty six yard touchdown reception from Brady, thirty one nothing. Fourth quarter, some points put on the board. Boston Scott a thirty four yard run, seven to thirty one. And then Kenneth Gainwell catches a 16-yard touchdown pass from Jalen Hurts. And then they hit uh, Devontae Smith for a two-point conversion. 15-31, your final score. Your stat leaders for this game are as follows. For Philadelphia, Jalen Hurts, 23-43, of 43, 258 yards passing, one touchdown, two INTs. Your leading rusher was Jalen Hurts, eight carries, three yards. And receiving leader, Dallas Goddard, six catches, 92 yards. For the, uh, the Bucks, Tom Brady. 29 to 37, 271 yards passing, two touchdowns. Leading rusher was Keyshawn Vaughn, 17 carries, 53 yards, and a touchdown. And leading receiver, Mike Evans, nine catches, 117 yards, and one touchdown. Next game, uh, San Francisco 49ers upsetting the Dallas Cowboys on the road with a 23 to 17 victory. Uh, the fifth seed, was the fifth or sixth? No, this is sixth seed. So sixth seed upset in the third seed. San Fran is automatically locked in. They will play um, Green Bay next week. It was a it was a good game, man. Jimmy Garoppolo looked good out there for the most part. There was a couple bad plays, bad interception towards the end, but it didn't matter. Dallas looked flat. Dak Prescott was having one of his probably one of his worst games of the season. And yeah, the 49ers impressing. They did a they did a good job. They looked like they were having fun out there. Debo Samuel, Elijah Mitchell, uh, a little quiet from George Kittle on this game. But regardless, yeah, big day from the defense. I know there's a couple injuries. Um, but, yeah, San Fran getting the big win here. Your scoring plays are as follows. Elijah Mitchell, a four-yard touchdown rush for 49ers, 7 off the lead. And then Robbie Gold makes a three-yard field goal to go up 10 nothing at the end of the first Second quarter, Robbie Gold, a 40-yard field goal, 13-0 lead. And then Dallas gets on the board with an Amari Cooper 20-yard reception from Dak Prescott, 7-13. And then just before halftime, Robbie Gold, a 52-yard field goal, 16-7 at halftime for the 49ers. Third quarter, Debo Samuel, a 26-yard rush. Touchdown rush, 23-7 lead. And then fourth quarter, a 51-yard field goal from Greg Zerline of the uh, – for the Cowboys, 23-10. to 10, And then Dak Prescott, a five-yard rush, 23-17. And that is game. Your stats for this game are as follows. Passing for the 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo, 16-25, 172 yards and a touchdown. Leading rusher, Elijah Mitchell, 27 carries, 96 yards and a touchdown. And your leading receiver, Brandon Ayuk, five catches, 66 yards. Your leading passer for the Cowboys, Dak Prescott, 23 of 43, 254 passing yards, one touchdown, one INT. 
Leading rusher, Zeke Elliott, 12 carries, 31 yards. All right, and in your final game, the Chiefs defeat the Steelers 42-21. to At home, it was a little competitive in the first uh, quarter, and after that, it just kind of went all Kansas City. Your stats leaders for the day, Big Ben, 29-44, 215 yards passing and two touchdowns. Your leading rusher, Najee Harris, 12 times 29 yards. And your leading receiver, James Washington, two catches, 37 yards and a touchdown. Your leading receiver, uh, passer for the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, 30-39, 404 yards passing, five touchdowns, one INT. Leading rusher, Jarek McKinnon, 12 times 61 yards. And leading receiver, Travis Kelsey, five catches, 108 and one touchdown. Let's head on over to our, our first what if. All right, everybody. And now for the second portion of this show, uh, what if season is back, everybody. One of my favorite times of the year off season uh, is when we really get to just loosen up and have fun around here. And uh, the what if episodes are one of my favorite, have been one of my favorites of the last several years. Andrew stepping in last off season, just helped out tremendously with my interest in it. And we got to cover so many crazy cool topics. Um, but, uh, but Andrew, welcome to this episode, my man, how you been? I'm doing good. Been doing good. I just uh, not too excited about this topic. <laughs> I like how I just talked to you. Like I never talked to you on podcast episodes or anything. Hey, hey Andrew, <laughs> how you been? I just talked to you two days ago, but how you been? Well, things could change too. Yeah, that's two true. Days. That's things true. Could, just like things can change with one pick. That's ooh, nice transition. Good, nice. It's a nice little one-liner there. You're getting the hang of this podcasting thing, I guess. Um, so yeah, so we wanted to bring it back. We don't have to, this isn't a long, um, a long, massive episode, you know, a deep dive. Oh, it's a deep dive, but it doesn't have to go on to an hour because this is the second part of our, um, our weekend roundup. So I wanted to hit one that was current and widely discussed by a lot of people, honestly, since draft day and I, well, probably more so since, um, since Justin Herbert got his first start. Uh, in week two of the 2020 season. But uh, this one that it, that does cl- hit close to home for Andrew. And I think it's a one that's a lot that a lot of people uh, wish a lot. A lot of people outside probably the Bengals and the top five. Um, wish they get they, they can have back. No doubt about it. So what our what if today is, is uh, what if the Miami Dolphins had drafted Justin Herbert instead of Tua Tunga Viola? So let's start off with this, Andrew. Heading into that draft, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, you wanted Herbert instead of two. Is that correct? I wanted Herbert. Well, what made you want Herbert? Ooh, uh, Tua seemed injury prone. If I got to play NFL scout here and looking at things, he looked too injury prone. And I don't know. There's just something... <sighs> There's just something weird about watching him play that made me think, is he just really good because of his team or is he elevating players? Right. Alabama's huge. And then the size of Herbert, the speed of Herbert, like I wanted to watch games in Oregon to see, to see Herbert play and stuff like that. And I would hear things about 
he's inconsistent and that kind of worried me. But then again, I'm like, okay, he's playing all the way up in Oregon. There's not really, they weren't really too big of a powerhouse then. Like they were with say like Marcus Mariota and those guys and Oregon quarterbacks don't always work out. So it was a little bit of a scare thing, but the size and the, the size I wanted him with his athleticism, the arm, and then the injury-prone stuff and where Tua played just really didn't want me. I, I was like, uh And then kind of the left-hand thing, I'm not going to lie. not going to lie. I'm, no, you're, cha- what, you're switching up on the left-handed thing. You had such a boner for left-handed quarterback. I hate, I no, I hate, I, I can't stand. Le- Did that, we do a whole I just, month on left-handed quarterbacks because of you, your I, decision? I, I we, we were going to, we were going to, I did an episode, but they're just so, they're just so. Really good weird. episode, by the way. Go listen to it in the <laughs> Oh, I can't stand that episode. I was so, if I could have one redo, that's the, that's the episode. And that's fine. <laughs> I'm waiting for a time where we can do a whole <laughs> left-handed quarterback month just because of that episode. Nice, nice conversation you had there. But left-handed talking about carrying somebody through an episode. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, can we just delete that and pretend like it's never existed? Like the Star Wars holiday special. You know, I'm pretend like it never existed. Nah, listen, I'm, I'm George I, Lucas in that holiday specials on YouTube. So it's, it's not really gone away forever. It's available for free in full feature length film on YouTube. So sorry, that disaster of an episode is not going away anytime soon. No, I can't. I, the only time I thought left-handed quarterbacks were ever cool was when Madden was like, we are going to put it in where if you're a left-handed quarterback, your quarterback throws with the left hand. And I'm like, Oh, this is going to be cool. And then I realized, yeah, and then I rolled to the right, and then I realized they have to reset themselves every single time if they roll to the right. And I'm like, this is horrible. I hate this. It feels unnatural rolling to the left. I I don't even know why left-handed quarterbacks exist. They're just so weird. I know they were a craze there for a little bit, but they're not that big anymore in the NFL. There was like that no, they're not. mid, early, mid-90s craze where – you're like left-handed quarterbacks with some athleticism are pretty good. Look at Steve Young and uh, Mark Brunel. Right. Um, yeah, this. I didn't really have a, you know much stake in this draft as far as our first-round pick. Um, our first-round pick, the Colts' first-round pick went to, I believe, yeah, it was San Francisco for for DeForest Buckner. So. We were in the quarterback market, but we had already signed Philip Rivers at that time. Um, before that time, so we ended up. I think the yeah the Colts ended up drafting uh, Jacob Easton, and I think the fourth round that year. But we weren't really like in play for any of these these top level quarterbacks, and the you know the top we all know who the top level quarterbacks were: Joe Burrow, Tua, and Herbert. But the way that this draft is actually unfolded is actually relatively interesting. And it's not just the draft. It's the year or two prior to it. Um, Tua was like the de facto number one until he had his injury. Right. I think a lot of people thought that he was going to be the guy um, that was selected number one overall. And then he destroyed. He hurt his hip really bad at Alabama. So that lowered his draft stock. Not a whole lot, but a tiny bit. And there's actually a small part of me that believes that if Joe Burrow didn't have that collegiate season that he did at LSU, that maybe to his stock is, is still high up there. 
Um, it, it, that's it, it's one of those those strange circumstances where it's you know just just so much came into play for that. But the fact that two was selected for the fifth overall is still pretty m- remarkable. But you know it, who who's number one? It was actually actually probably Chase Young. Honestly, I, I Chase Young was probably the the num- the true number one in that draft after post to an injury but uh but yeah man when 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 burrow had that miracle season you know we all knew he was going first overall cincinnati announced it like a month or a couple weeks before and he's going and that leaves obviously two quarterbacks on the board tua and herbert so um i think me being analyst analystical that's a word right um analytical <laughs> my wife just gave me she gave me the no she gave me she's like nah it sounds it sounds cool but no not quite so these were the top 10 uh i just found this on like some nbc site so your top 10 that year in the 2020 draft number one was chase young yep. so two was burrow three was isaiah simmons which i i'd love that guy coming out um Jeff Okuda. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Number five was Derek Brown. Six was Tua. Seven was Tristan Wirfs. And eight was Makai Beckman. Nine was was C.D. Lamb. And ten was Jerry Judy. And this is just... And Herbert was... Jeez. Herbert was 19. Okay, yeah, a few of the the pre-draft reports I got were to uh, Herbert at 20. But, yeah, so, I mean, like I said, it's so remarkable, but we all, you know, Joe Burrow's miracle season happened, unfold in the way that it did. Bengals needed a new quarterback. You know, the Andy Dalton thing obviously was not working. New coach incoming. They made a pretty smart choice, and obviously it's panned out because just this past weekend, you know, Bengals get their first playoff victory in, in over 30 years. Um, but yeah, me, me being that, you know, me looking at this, I was concerned with Tua, like coming in, you know, and obviously he's, he's done pretty damn well for himself. I'm, I'm not going to take anything away from that, but when you have a guy who has a serious hip injury to that extent and, you know, uh, it, it's draft stock is, you know, a huge thing. And you get a little concerned when you have to rest your future. Right. And you gotta look at what Miami, where Miami is at this point. Miami, the year prior, um, off, it was year prior, the off season prior to 2019, they traded Ryan Tannehill. All right, they they got I think a fourth round pick, and maybe a seventh or something like that. It was yeah. it was two picks. It was, it was nothing crazy, but Ryan Tannehill was their franchise guy for um, from 20, 2011, 2012. 2012. It's twenty twelve to. You know, 2018, Tannehill had been dealing with injuries at this point. They're trying to reset. So um, they get rid of him. They sign Fitzpatrick uh, in hopes that he's a bridge quarterback for their next guy in the future. And then, you know, everything kind of hinges on them, you know, selecting this next this next person who's going to hopefully their guy for the next, you know, hopefully for the next 10 years. But, um, but yeah, it was so close. They had Miami hit five. Miami had five and uh, the Chargers had six and yeah, the Miami Dolphins went with their gut. They knew what they wanted and they selected Tua. 
you were pretty mad. I do remember that. Yeah, I was. That was one of. I put that up there when we drafted Ted Ginn Jr. I think around in the same spot the one year, and I was pissed about that. Uh, I. It was Tua. Like you said, he had that major hip injury. It's pretty much the same injury that ended Bo Jackson, Bo Jackson's career. Right. And he had sprained ankles and everything else going into it. And you got to start looking at, is this guy really what he, what everybody projects him to be? And I think one of the biggest things that put him over the edge of why he was picked even with that hip injury is because of our bonehead owner, uh, Stephen Ross is looking for the next Marino, that big name quarterback to come in and be the face of the franchise. So who really knew Justin Herbert outside of college football? And if you follow the draft big time circles, I don't think too many people, Last time I checked, like I said, Oregon's not playing every every Sunday on your TV. Right. But or Saturday, sorry. But who is? Oh, Tua, because we gotta watch Alabama destroy DeBrickashaw State nine thousand different times <laughs> because and plus two, I hate Nick Saban. There's a lot of hate going on here. All right. In my world. There is a lot of heat towards Alabama and this whole process. So, and maybe a weird conspiracy is Tua drafted by the Dolphins. So Nick Saban could just destroy our future even more. Uh, That could be a good theory on this. Yeah. But that's all he was, was at this point, he was a name. You didn't know anything about him. You didn't know if he was cleared. It was just a name. Hey, he's he's injured. He's a name. He was a Heisman finalist one year, and he didn't win it. But he's a name because he oh, he was second in Heisman voting in 2018 and tenth in 2019, and that was the year that he was injured, and he was still in the Heisman voting. Right. Even though he was injured. Wonderful. Great. Okay, but you're not on the field. What are you? I'm it's like buying a broken TV and you're like, I think it's going to be okay if I get it fixed. If if it mends properly, it'll be okay later on. And I think there's a, a lot of factors that I see now between Herbert and Tua. Tua seems scared, timid, not really not really that driving it guy. He seems very quiet where Herbert, I feel wants the knockout punch, wants the big play. Right. And that's not what I see in Tua. Tua is more, I mean, every quarterback in a way is a system quarterback. We, I, I, I believe that wholeheartedly, but it just seems like some quarterbacks are more system quarterbacks than others. And Tua is that type of quarterback. So what do you think is the initial, like the, the first thing that occurs if Miami drafts Herbert instead of Tua? Cause my thought process is this, 
Okay. Um, it, like initially right out of the gate that Brian Flores might still be head coach. I know there's a, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of big difference, big, uh, there was a big disconnect between Greer and um, Greer and, and, and uh, Flores. They didn't get along. I think Flores wanted Herbert from what I understand, I guess. <laughs> That's reports, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how true it is, but Flores straight up went to two and said, I wanted Herbert. It's, <laughs> Hey. <laughs> which is a good way to build confidence in your guys motivation but, he's a it, Belichick guy he's not yeah. gonna hold things back right um but I think that Brian Flores still has a job right now I, I don't think it's without any question unless things were that bad between the office and him but I man I, I think Herbert is an instant difference maker for this team they're winning I mean listen Flores should have never been fired as is but um, in my opinion, but man, Herbert really, 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 really puts him in the driver's seat as far as being, I think, untouchable at, you know, three years into this, into this ride. We, you know, we talk about, um, you know, guys who are NFL game ready. And that was the biggest criticism of Justin Herbert. That's why he said at 20, 19th or 20th and those draft scouting reports, because people didn't think Herbert was, was NFL ready. And surprisingly enough, he was, I mean, I can't say he was the most because Burrow actually handled himself pretty damn well. They were not losing games because of Burrow. The Bengals think- were, but I think that Herbert has Miami in a playoff appearance the last two years. In fact, I know with in my heart that that's the case. Um, I know in my heart that's the case. I think there's a good chance. I don't think he's as good as he is on the Chargers. Okay, he got put in a pretty good situation with the Chargers. No doubt. You, you, that, there's no doubt. I'm not trying to knock the guy or anything like that. But when you get put in with uh, all pro, pro bowl wide receiver, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams is no slouch, and you have Austin Eckler as your running back, I think that what his taking chances is made easier by doing that. That's fair. And I think that's what it comes down to. Um, I don't know if we, maybe I was talking about this. I don't know who could we talk before this a little bit, but Justin Herbert was the Josh Allen of this draft. He just not too many people knew about not too many people knew what he was, what he could develop into. They just know he was this tall guy. He could move and he was, I believe, yeah, four-year, or about a four-year starter in Oregon. Right. And that was the big thing. And Tua was this cool. Tua was more, if we're going to compare the two draft classes, I would say Tua was more of the maybe Josh Rosen, almost Baker Mayfield type, where they played a, they played a couple of years, uh, or more a little bit more into the Josh Rosen played a couple of they played you know pretty much all four years for or came in three year starter big name uh, NFL ready did the all the quarterback camp guys were like oh this guy's so NFL ready and yeah it wasn't ready for anything uh, ready just to kind of be mediocre at best I like Tua as a person as a player 
I was in on him for a little bit and then I got out after he got injured again. And I'm like, I'm done with this guy. <laughs> I'm going to put this like, I'm out like the injury. You're, you, you're coming up Sam Bradford for me. Oof. There's another great comparison, a great talent. I love Sam Bradford coming out of Oklahoma, but do are they in a playoff game? Yeah, but I don't think they're as good as what the Chargers probably could. I think the Chargers could have had a decent playoff run. I still say they're one and done. But in a playoff game, yes. And Brian Flores is still the head coach. And Steven Ross has his guy. Isn't that? I think that's the funniest thing about this is you went for this name instead of saying, okay, we're going to develop Justin Herbert into this name. I know a lot of Bills fans that didn't even want Josh Allen. They're yeah, like, oh. and they admit it. They admit it. They wanted Rosen. They wanted Darnold. Um, you know, Josh Allen was not high on the list, but but that's a fantastic point. Is that you know they, they Miami wanted it like a they, I feel like a quick fix, and this is yeah. the um, and this is one of those you know things that you just can't you just can't band aid. You know, it's another example too about name value. It's about name value in the NFL, right? And, and, you know, fans fall for name value all the time. When it comes to fantasy sports, they fall for name value. When it comes to, you know, just, just trades and free agency, they, they, they go to name value. But they don't really look at, you know, they, they don't really look at the, the, the long haul, the, the, the work. The work. And it, this is not to take away from Tua. Um, this is not to take away from Tua, but we obviously see that at year two, and again, I know the offensive situations are much different, but Justin Herbert has shown more that he could be dependent on um, to win games. He can go out there and win games, whereas Tua has struggled. Now, Tua has beaten you know some good teams, and he's gone toe-to-toe. I don't want to forget about his game against Kansas City last year where he went toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes. Um, you know, shot for shot, Tua didn't have any help with him. I don't want to discredit that at all. But Herbert has shown, you know, that he can go out there. If you need a big play from Herbert, you can probably get it. There's a good chance um, that you can get it. And that's that. That's been that's been the strength, and that's I think what Miami Dolphins the, the football needed um, is the shot in the arm to to be able to do that. You know, and I get, I know the the weapons have not been all that great. The weapons have not been very kind to to Tua. But man, could you imagine him with, um, I mean, Devontae Parker when healthy, or you know, Mike Gesicki having that dependable tight end? I mean, that's. I know we wouldn't make that comparison if you know Herbert didn't play for the Chargers, but you know, Rivers had his tight end in Antonio Gates. Herbert Gesicki's a damn good tight end. He's a he's a top five in my opinion. He's a top five or top ten tight end, depending on who likes to use him. So you know who's who's throwing the damn ball. So I think Herbert, you know, Herbert has a, a pretty decent foundation. He got a little run by committee thing. That's not exactly the greatest way to approach it, but I still think that Herbert's able to pull things and, and, and win games for you. Right, last year, twenty twenty. Well, that's not two years ago, technically. Um, twenty twenty season, the Chargers lost a lot of games. I think they finished seven and nine, but not a single one of those games. Not a single one. You could probably put maybe one on there, but in my opinion, not a single one was lost 
due to bad offensive play, due to Justin Herbert being the guy. All right. It was a defensive issue, correct? Yeah. Defensive issue. Herbert would pound leads on, get a goal, like three touchdowns, and the defense would just collapse on him. Can you imagine that with, with the 2020 Dolphins defense or even bits and pieces of this year's, what Herbert could do? That's they what scares me. They, right? would a, they would have been a playoff. Because you're mentioning the one thing that we – we talk about on occasion when it comes to most quarterbacks and cannot be measured even like in a name value, even though it can be part of your name, but it's that grit. It's that it, it's the drive Uh, that willing to just go out there and win. And it seems like Tua was put on such a high pedestal for so long. And I think a lot of things may have, may have hurt him in a way Ryan Fitzpatrick starting over him that might have you know been a little knock to the ego even though he wasn't 100% ready you know a little knock to the ego why am I not in there uh the Deshaun Watson talks constantly about that yeah. are you are you mentally to the point where you can get knocked and knocked around mentally like that not just on the football field but mentally to the point where People are saying, you know what? Your owner doesn't even want you anymore. This guy wanted you, but now he doesn't want you. He wants, you know, the new latest toy. Right. And Deshaun Watson, because that's proven. And instead of going out there and saying, you know what? I'm going to ball out. I'm just going to do this. I'm going to ball out. And he shows signs of it on occasion, like you said, but it's very small glimpses. And the, I think the play calling doesn't help him, but then again, I don't know exactly is what up, but I think you can overcome play calling in some aspects of your career. Uh, There's been a lot of great quarterbacks that have been selected because they're a bigger name in college. And then the smaller guy gets brought up and I'm not going to mention, you know, who, because that's been beaten into the ground 90,000 times, but I mean, Joe Montana in 1979, I'm not taking anything away from Phil Sims. The guy's a Super Bowl MVP, but right. Montana, nobody really thought Montana was going to do anything. Skinny guy out of Notre Dame, big deal. Ends up being one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. Did he go to probably to the right system? Yeah, but he also had that drive, that willing to just win. Steve Young, I think that you need that in a quarterback. And sometimes I don't always see that in Tua, but you see that in Justin Herbert, where he wants to extend the plays, keep on going. Tua seems very robotic in this is the way the quarterback has to be, quarterback position has to be played. This is the way you were taught to play it. And this is what you're going to do. Where you see Justin Herbert go into this Josh Allen type mold, you know, Aaron Rodgers, I'm going to move, I'm going to extend. And Tua just kind of chills sometimes, even though he doesn't always have the longest time to throw. Right. But that is where I think Miami gets put into games because Herbert moves better. And that's where they get into the playoffs. Cause like you said, Herbert puts you into the game. So he's moving a lot more than what Tua is. Did you also hear the other rumor that Flores told Tua that they should have drafted Mac Jones? No, I didn't hear that one. 
Yeah, that's a big one going around right now, too. Oh, dear God. So he was very... Because there was yeah. talks that they were looking for another quarterback, and I think they had a crack. They, could, they probably could have used some draft capital to go get Trevor Lawrence if they wanted to or get one of these top-end guys. But, yeah, I mean, this, this is the kind of pre- things that... You want your quarterbacks mentally tough. There's no doubt about it. But when it's constantly... Like you're getting like speed bagged. You're you're a speed bag and you're just getting punched over and over again. Should have got Watson, Fitzpatrick. You know, Fitz. Even last year, you think about last year, people yeah. didn't think that Tua could win on his own. It was the Fitzpatrick show. Fitzpatrick would have to come in and bail it out, and that's an important aspect too that I don't think a lot of people like to look at or they seem to forget about is that you know Flores didn't let Tua. He didn't trust Tua in a, in, to to finish games. We're close. Let's throw in Ryan Fitzpatrick and then. When it all came down to to having a brilliant performance, he he it was a choke job. He threw a bunch of interceptions, and that was a wrap. You know, against the Bills, where they it was win and get in. So, yeah, it's 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 such a crazy situation. I feel like Justin Herbert would have the way he plays quarterback. I think he actually he would have been pretty solid, considering like. Fitzpatrick is a bit of a gunslinger as well, whether you want to admit it or not, but that's Herbert's playing style. Herbert's not like this crazy elusive mobile style quarterback. Herbert likes to throw push the ball downfield and that's Fitzpatrick's game. So I feel like Herbert could have, um, that could have been a thing for, you know, to, to, for Herbert to really grasp from. That's another aspect that people don't talk about is that Herbert, had Terod Taylor to lean on. It's not like he got to come in and lean on and learn from the, the ways of the NFL from, from Phillip Rivers, right? It, it wasn't that. It was, hey, it's week two. You're the guy. And listen, Terod Taylor, great. I think he's a pretty fun quarterback. Great story. Feel I feel for him in a lot of aspects. But listen, Terod Taylor and Justin Herbert are two different styles of QB play. Two different styles of QB play. If you pair up Justin Herbert and have him under the wing of a Ryan Fitzpatrick, you're setting this up, this dude up for really, really good things. Not only is he NFL, is he NFL ready, a little bit more NFL ready than people expected. But my God, you're giving him you, you give him the instincts and awareness, uh, you know, that are very highly. I know a lot of people don't think very highly of him, but Fitzpatrick knows, man, he's been around the league way past his ex, you know, uh, a lot of people thought he should be. And you give him that, that learning curve. Oh my God. The dolphins are, I would dare so say that they're competing for an AFC East title this year, maybe at least winning it. One of the last two years, probably this year. They were in it just with that little bit of time with Tua. So there's no reason why you, why they should have – I didn't want to make the playoffs last year because I knew it was just going to be a simple one and done. This year I thought I, – I knew I, – I felt the regression. I felt right. the regression. Because not to make this all into Brian Flores, if you think about it, the guy only really had two years in Miami. Technically speaking, yeah. Okay. So – and I think with a Jalen Waddle – even though I think he was kind of used right, but I I think the extending of the field, I think you would have seen way more. Now, there's the, there's something with that too because Waddle was out of Alabama, correct? Yes. Do you think that Miami drafts him if they don't have Tua? 
Yeah, because there was not too many other big time. And they did need wide receiver help. Yeah, they that's possible. More, they they I still think they're going Devontae Smith. They're going Jalen Waddle. Uh, cause Chase was gone. Yeah. I think I think Burrow got in the year and was like, listen, get Chase. Just just get just get me my guy and I'll show you. And he showed him this year. Sure did. He was all over the field this weekend. Yeah. Every time we looked, he was catching a pass. It was crazy. But but that's, that's fair. Yeah. That's that's one of the things is I mean, there's so many you can do little knocks to try and elevate Tua, but then it's another thing where Herbert didn't have the greatest offensive line in 2020. Oh, it was trash. They had a, they, their first round pick this year was an offensive lineman because it was so bad. Right. I think, but, yeah, I think it was a yeah. Rashawn Slater. They got. Yeah. But once again, he was able to overcome that where it seems like Tua is not always able to overcome the O-line problems in Miami. Right. And it seems Herbert's so quick to overcome things and you know, break off, do what he's got to do. Really good at picking up blitzes and, and all that stuff. He, and Tua very just, good awareness. And Tua just seems to be deer in the headlights. I see, I see little things in him where I'm like, ah, and then I'm like, no, no. <laughs> I just need, I need to stop. I just need, I need to stop. This is a whole another, you know, Ryan Tannehill situation that I just don't want to be in. It's, it's like a bad relationship with going on with Dolphins quarterbacks. But yeah, it's still. I don't think we're we're two years in, and I don't think this conversation's ever going to go away. I think this will haunt Miami for years. Probably. I don't it's, think it's already show. It's already creeping in. Like I, I, I have no faith in Miami right now. Next year, I have no faith in my team next year. <laughs> you know, it's important to get outside looking in. You know, look, but mm-hmm. you know, you just reset. You just reset yeah. a couple years ago. Like you're not don't don't be the Jets. Don't be the Jets. This team, I, I'm very disappointed in Miami for what's what's tr- surfaced. But you know they're resetting again, and they just did it three years ago. Not even. And you're doing it because you want somebody for Tua. Well, why didn't you do that in the first place? Right. Why didn't you hire the offensive coach? In the first place, yeah. Who did? The, oh, who was their coordinator? He used to be the Bills coach. Um, what? the coordinator they they got him in for Fitzpatrick. Oh, that was Chan Gailey. Chan Gailey, yes. That was another thing, kind of against too. Is that offense was so set up for Fitzpatrick? Oh yeah, but still though, you still got to overcome things. You got to overcome what you're doing. Uh, you know, Alex Smith did it. I mean, is Alex Smith the greatest? I'm not. He's been given a lot of chances, though, too. You know, Alex Smith has been given a lot of opportunities to be successful where, you know, I know it's only shortened to his career year two, but, um, you know, the the odds have been stacked against him. I will will give him that. I I don't think. Is there an NFL team that would want Tua right now that would say this is this could be our starter? Is there another? Can you can you give me maybe? And Walker might be upset. Maybe, maybe Washington. Right maybe now, Washington. Looking around the league, I think Houston would take him. You think Houston? Well, no. Would? After not at, okay, maybe not after this year. I don't know what they see, uh, how they see view Davis Mills. I actually really like Davis Mills, 
but Houston's an interesting one. Um, if they do, if Davis Mills doesn't pan out, um, there's a, I mean, other Denver, I mean, there's, there's teams who need a, a quarterback, but would you that's, have, a, that's a, that's a, that's kind of a horizontal move. I think would you Tua want, and Teddy B. Yeah. I was going to say, who would you rather have Teddy B or Tua? I don't know. I don't know that I would kind of go Teddy B. <laughs> What's that? I would go Teddy B probably, but everything was just, I don't know. I think it was the numbers. I think it was the thing in Alabama. I just don't know what they, what they saw. He's a smaller quarterback. Um, Looking at like percentiles of where they're at. I mean, how, how do you want your quarterback? You want your quarterback big, stand tall in the pocket. There's not many, very many outliers of a short quarterback that really worked in the NFL. Russell Wilson, Drew Brees. I'll even give my man Doug Flutie a shout out. I'm not going to lie. Did lead the Bills to a playoff game. And there's another one. They probably would have won that game. But Tua, when it comes to height for NFL quarterbacks, he's in the fourth percentile. For weight, the 42 percentile. Yeah. Hand size. 76 and arm length the ninth percent tile and if you have kids or anything like that you know when i'm talking percentiles those are low those are low if that was your kid's intelligence that's not good or their height well, or something well throw that kid out and just throw yeah. him <laughs> in the crash you. black market but th- th- i don't even think the black market would want them <laughs> but you look at you look at Herbert. I'll go through all the other ones because obviously Tua didn't do the combine. His height, 98th percentile. Weight, 90, or yeah, 92nd percentile. His hand size, 76th percentile. And arm length, 80th percentile. The guy is built to play quarterback. I mean, does that mean that he should? But he, he played more games. Inconsistent, yes, but I think that's where coaching and letting natural ability come out to play. And maybe two is just too robotic and too much. I need system where her, once again, like you said, gunslinger ball out. Plug and play anywhere. Right. Yeah. Just about, just about. I'm pretty sure Marino wasn't like, Hey, I like all these plays. Cause that was the biggest bitch with Marino was Jimmy Johnson took his, Power to audible, audible at the line. Marino balled out. McMahon, look at Jim McMahon. He said he would always change the play. Yeah. So I don't think Tua may have been given that, or he doesn't can't process enough. Where Justin Herbert's like plays breaking down. I'm just gonna whip this and see what we get. Right. And I have not seen that out of Tua. I have no. not seen that level of play out of Tua. And I no, think that's no. the level of play you have to get to to be a successful quarterback in the NFL. Joe Burrow has showed it. Josh Allen has showed it. Lamar Jackson's more running, but Lamar Jackson has shown it. Patrick Mahomes. I mean, you can name all these other quarterbacks. The Aaron Rodgers is, you know, to over to break out of the system when you need to break out of the system. And Tua doesn't. I have not seen it, but Herbert does. And I think that's where he can overcome. I'm not saying Miami's huge, but like you said, 
they're in at least a discussion for a division title and at least in the playoffs, maybe one and done. I'm going to say at the best because the offensive line wasn't the greatest and the weapons are not what they are in San Diego. Right. But still there as a maybe possibly Cinderella story. True. You know, I think one thing, look, you know, going back to the injuries thing too, you know, I know you can't predict or, you know, uh, it's easy to kind of look back and be like, oh, injuries. What if they did this and avoided this? But there's a lot, there's a, decent stretch. I think they got four or five game stretch this year where Tua was unavailable due to injuries. Yeah. Herbert's been pretty durable. He's taken some shots over the years, but I don't think he's missed a game yet since playing. If I'm not mistaken, you know, that four or five game absence of, of, of Tua, you know, if, if you feel that, you know, if he's healthy or you got a guy like Herbert, who's, who's a little bit more durable, um, that's the difference this year between making winning probably winning the AFC East or at least making a playoff, you know, or or sitting home and going through all the turmoil that you're going through right now. I think that that you know that's that's a pretty big case as well. But I I like your theory, you know, about the the system things because like is there's there's kids that come out of these big time college universities that you know they have the name value but they don't always like pan out the way that people believe them to. Right, Ohio State is notorious for producing quarterbacks in that in that sense, um, but Alabama is like the it's all the rage. It's the be all end all, and man, I mean Saban is so meticulous. He's a Belichickian, you know, uh, you know type coach where the the detail, the detail, the detail is so meticulous that a lot of people um, people can't replicate that. It's not easy to replicate, and. You know, just kind of doomed from the start. I'm not saying that all big university quarterbacks should just be avoided, but it's not a good look right now. <laughs> you know no. what I mean? It, it's 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 not helping their case right now a whole lot. I I don't always agree with Colin Collard, but what I would listen to him and he would talk about certain things is the way that you mentioned the big the big schools. If you're a bigger school, you're getting a lot more talent. Yeah, people want to go to your school. The recruiting is not difficult. So you look at what Tua has played with in his just his time in Alabama, the wide receivers, the Jerry Judys, the uh, I believe he did even had Calvin Ridley, maybe. Um, uh, Jalen Waddles, Devontae Smith, all these guys, the massive offensive line he had. You get comfortable. It gets warm. It gets it gets cozy seeing guys wide open a lot, and every and everything else. When I say like what, and the SEC has been good. I know Georgia has been good over time, but it hasn't been what it used to be. And college football hasn't really been what it used to be since Saban came into it. You have your Clemson's and stuff like that, so you get warm and cozy behind there. You you know what you have. You get comfortable. You you like it. And then you get thrust into a completely different situation. And you're like, wait a minute. I don't have an all American blocking for me. Yeah. I don't have the, the windows went from Peyton Manning even talks about it in the NFL when he came in with Bruce Arians and Bruce Arians used to yell at him and go, why didn't you throw that? He'd be like, well, that there wasn't that big of a window and you know, Arians and Bruce Arians way and say, Hey, dumbass." that's a window in the NFL. You got to throw that. So I think it's a big time adjustment where Justin Herbert didn't play 
with we're not talking about just the Chargers drafting Justin Herbert's wide receiver from college. Right. We're not talking about any of that. He's just got to go with what he's got to go with and he's got to make the best of it. And I think that's a one one of the biggest hugest difference as well is Tua is surrounded by such great talent talent constantly over and over and over again. And also he became this mythical figure from when he won that national championship game when they took out Jalen Hurts and they put him in. So there you go right there. You become you become a mythical figure of you're this clutch guy. You're gonna make all these plays, you're gonna win all these games. And you're seeing it in the NFL. He's not really that guy that was at Alabama where Justin Herbert is more consistent from what I understand in the NFL than he was in college. So it's how, how can I elevate my team and how can I elevate myself? And Tua doesn't, it's not showing it where Justin Herbert, like you said, is I'm just going to go in there gunsling ball out. I don't care who I got, who's the, what the one slot receiver I never even heard of, but he makes them like, seem like he could almost be an all pro in that Palmer. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. He's not even that bad. I'm like, Oh, who is this guy? But Herbert throws to him and I think it's I don't Josh know. Palmer. I think it's Josh Palmer. Yeah. But he throws to him and he makes the best out of the situation where two is just like, I, I need help. I need help. And I know I'm one of those guys where I'm like, ah, two needs help. But I'm at the point where I'm like, at some point you got to turn, you got, you got to become magic Johnson and just right. be able to elevate everybody around you. A hundred percent. 100%. So now we're not even done with this episode yet. I think we we've established that the, the dolphins would be pretty well off. Right with with Justin Herbert, at least one playoff appearance, possibly two. They'd have their head coach, Brian Flores would be there, and I think they'd be pretty set. Now we got to take a look at the Chargers on the flip side. If they don't get Justin Herbert, right? That's that's the one angle we didn't we haven't talked about or touched yet. Um, I think I think the Chargers would be in a lot of trouble to be bad. Or you know what? Actually, I shouldn't necessarily say that. Tua would be in a really good situation where I I think Justin Herbert could elevate the Dolphins. Tua would be in a pretty damn good situation from a supporting cast standpoint. And he's, I I find him to be a little, he's a little bit more on the mobility side than Herbert, if I'm not mistaken. I think Herbert's a little bit more. You think so? I I mean, I don't watch their games a hundred percent with, you know, detailed, but I, I think Herbert from what I've seen can move seems to move around a little bit more. I don't think he's that takeoff run guy like Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. I think it's more young, big Ben, you know, I I can, I can okie doke you and, you know, get you to the side, maybe extend the play a little bit, but I think his mobility is his mobility. will go, we'll use a big boy term. Uh, for your from probably from your film studies is his pocket awareness yeah. I think is better than Tua. Okay. Well, regardless, he still has some pretty solid weapons to throw through. Uh throw to Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler for quick dump off passes. I definitely, you know, you, you definitely trust an Austin Eckler a lot more than a Miles Gaskin. 
Yes. Right. Um, you have Hunter Henry last year who was starting to really get, you know, that was one of his better years. Uh, you know, Mike Williams is there. I think you have a pretty good supporting cast. Now, do I think, you know, I don't believe that there's going to be a lot of growing pains. There's no doubt about it. I think too, it would, would have been all right on the chargers, whether chargers fans wanted to admit it or not. I think he would have been all right. Uh, you know, co- just coaching stuff aside. I think that might've been honestly the, the best situation for both guys is for Herbert to go to, to Miami and for Tuba to go to, uh, you know, a team with talent surrounding him. Now it would have been tough. I, I think, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that I want to say that Tua and Tarad have a little bit similar playing style, but um, the eye test kind of shows it, right? So the playbook's not super different. Um, again, there's a lot more help for Tua there. And, you know, there's going to be some growing pains. There's no doubt about it. Like the rookie year is, I think, is going to be pretty bad for Tua. I think it's going to be relatively bad. But I think in the long run, like maybe this year, I think that I think the Chargers are right where they're at now, where they finished a nine and eight season, maybe, maybe a 10 and seven with two under center. Because I feel like he, again, I just feel like he has guys that he can trust a lot more with the Chargers. Defense is, you know, the defense thing, that, that perspective doesn't change at all for me. And that doesn't change at all for me, but I think offensively, I think as far as what Tua can do with that stat, that offense, whether it be Anthony Linnett head coach or Brandon Staley or you know whoever the offensive coordinators are, I think that I think that Tua is in a very good spot with with the Chargers. Nice thing, okay, with Tua going to the Chargers is markets. Miami is a big market, yeah, but Los Angeles is a huge market and we talked about scrutiny and who is the biggest football team in Los Angeles right now? The You Rams. would say the Rams. So now you're gonna, now you're going to be compared to Matt Stafford all of a sudden this year, right? You can, you could go toe to toe with the Jared Goff. That's not a problem, but you're getting compared to a Matt Stafford. There's a lot more going on in Los Angeles. This is where I think his mental toughness would really kind of been put in more into question than what it is in Miami. You're not the story. You are the second fiddle to, you're not even the best football team. You're not even the best sports team in your city. When it comes to stories, the heat's pretty good. The Marlins are, you know, the only reason why they're a story is because of Derek Jeter as their owner. But the Dolphins are, you know, it's a big market, but it's not huge like Los Angeles. And that's the one thing about Los Angeles is you're battling. You're battling for a lot of stories. And you're going to get compared to another quarterback, not just in your, not just, you know, compared to another quarterback in your division, but another quarterback in your city. And that's the big thing. It's I think it's easier for Tua now to be compared to a Zach Wilson, um, 
you know, Josh Allen, we're not going to, we're not going to say comparison, but you know, when you look down the line and rankings, so now you're, you're in the AFC West, you got to deal with Mahomes. You got to deal with Derek Carr, who's not like up there, but I think he's a very underrated quarterback. These are, I'm looking at a lot of mental aspects. And then you got to deal with this guy in the same building as you and Matt Stafford. And Matt Stafford, even though I, he's not my favorite guy in the world, is way better than Tua. And I think that is going to what's going to weigh down on him is, yes, he's going he's gonna to play good. He's not going to put up huge numbers. But I think this is where he's going to show even more that he's just a Teddy Bridgewater type of guy. Well, is, I get it. The, the scrutiny part is, is always going to be there. I think, I think he's accepted it. You know, and, and I guess with when it comes to that, there there are some you know thoughts of replacing, but I, I don't know if anybody's you know who's going to come take his job with the Chargers, right? If if he's with the Chargers, I, is he really at risk of getting his job taken by anybody? Maybe Harad. If you come in and you, I don't think the- I don't even. I honestly gotta believe that the Chargers. I know they had him ready to go post Rivers. But I honestly, God, don't believe that 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 Tarot is threatening anybody um, <laughs> with know, with, with, a, with a job. Davis Mills. <laughs> uh, I, but that's where I'm I'm looking at it. Is you are not even it, it, it. It's a good thing and it's a bad thing. But when you compare the two, you, you're trying to the Chargers are trying to be a top story. They have to. It's Los Angeles. That's the reason why you move there. And you can't do that with Tua. Right. It's the same thing going on in New York. If Daniel Jones played for some smaller market team, um, do you think he would be under such a giant microscope all the time? Say that again. If Daniel Jones played for a smaller market team, would he be under the microscope as we put him under now? I still think he'd be pretty scrutinized. Maybe well, not completely. Maybe maybe not as much. But I still think he. I still think you'd look at him and be like, "Really, this guy?" But would the microphone be set at ten, or would it be set at a hundred like it is now? See, uh, I don't know. Because, I mean, New York media doesn't come off. Like, being here in Western New York, it doesn't come off as bad as it does. I get it. It's a big city. big You want big-time quarterbacks and stuff. But it doesn't come off as loud. I know it is loud. But it doesn't come off as loud. It doesn't really reverberate. And you don't really hear. I mean, you just hear the basic scrutiny of, of Daniel Jones. I like. I, it's not like an everyday kind of thing for us out here. So, I still think it's up there, but probably not as high. You are right. Big markets are, you know, do get a lot of, do get a lot of flack. Miami is a pretty big city. So, but I still see that aspect in Tua. And I still think he'll do better with better weapons, but he's still got the crappy offensive line. So you got to fix that. So maybe this year, other than his rookie year, he has a slightly better year than what he did before. Okay. I think that's 
that's the that's where I'm kind of getting at is he's almost he's dumped with better weapons, but a worse a, a, about the same offensive line. Maybe a slight. I could probably give it a little bit better because I've watched the Dolphins. That that actually hurt Tua was the offensive line where Jesse Davis missed that block on Epinesa. Right. And he just he just clobbered him. Yeah. But that's where I'm questioning more of his mental toughness than anything else. I think that's his biggest weakness, not his skills per se. Skills are always going to be there. Jeff George, Jay Cutler, skills are always there. <clears throat> it's what can you do mentally to have you overcome that? Right. And I think that's where the mental toughness comes in. You move, you, you're in the second biggest sports market, probably f- maybe first in the whole entire United States. And you're not even, and where you're trying to fight for publicity and everything else. You're not even playing in the stadium that, your team pretty much built was <laughs> the other owner of the team that you're in. So there's a lot of stuff rattling around. Like two is cool. He's doing good. But Matt Stafford, on the other hand, is lighting it up with Cooper cup. And I think Justin Herbert deals a little bit with that. I'm, I'm not in Los Angeles. He probably deals a little bit with that as well. Possibly. But I think you haven't seen a change in his game. Right. We're in Tua. Another thing is when he gets down, it seems like he gets down. The, the that end of the Bills game in twenty twenty, there was like no, I didn't see any resilience. Like no, I'm gonna come back. I'm gonna do this. He has kind of shown it, but nothing too great to right. that extent. Or like you said, where Justin Herbert's gonna will his team to win. And he doesn't care how he's going to do it. That's fair. So we're a little different on the two in the LA thing. I mean, that's completely fine. I, I like that when we differ. I like that when we differ. But we do agree that Justin Herbert in Miami is a godsend. And yes. my God, that division would be awesome. He's having Herbert and Allen going head to head twice a year. And of course, with the growth of Mac Jones, who I think he's going to be all right. You know, that's an awesome division. I think it's an awesome division. Yeah, that, th- to go through it? that 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 Mac Jones where Micah High picked him off, that was a nice throw by Mac Jones. But oh, it was, was great, even, be- even better pick. Even a way better play than Micah from Micah High. So yeah, that was yeah. one of those. He's a rookie. He's going to learn some things. And yeah, I mean, to pull there. that team and have that kind of. I mean, listen, we can't sit here and pretend like the Patriots aren't two years removed from the goat. Right. Mm -hmm. There's still a stigma that, you know, and it's still a lot of pressure on a guy like Mac Jones following that up. It's hard. I thought he played really, really well this year. Honestly, you know what I mean? If, if the Colts could have taken him, I would have been, I would have retrospectively, I would have preferred the growing pains of Mac Jones this year compared to, the heartbreak at the end of this year for with Carson Wentz. I really think highly of him. I do. I don't think he's that bad. I think he's in the, I think he's the perfect quarterback for Belichick. Right. 
That's all I can say about him as of now is he is the perfect quarterback for Belichick. Yeah. He's going to be okay, but that too will be okay. That's the question, (laughs) but that is it. Everybody that I believe is a wrap for this episode. Was there any other angle you want to uh, throw in it? I think we get both. uh, I think we got them all. I think so too. Do you have any idea what you want to talk about for next week's? What if Uh, let's, um, let's kick it old school. I came up across this story from, you know, my even older guys, uh, Facebook, Facebook groups. And I want to discuss this in 1969, the bears and the Steelers tied for worst record in the NFL. The Steelers won the coin tossed and had the number one overall pick. And they drafted Terry Bradshaw. So what if the Bears got Terry Bradshaw? They won that coin toss. Would Terry Bradshaw be Terry Bradshaw? Would the Steelers be the Steelers? That's a fantastic question. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Um, So that is what we have to look forward to next week, everybody. Uh, A coin flip besides the fate of the Bears and the Steelers. So thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate you as always to our, you know, our listeners, you're, great you're tremendous and um please keep on supporting this tell a friend uh we love doing this for you guys for the sake of it we do have merchandise coming out very shortly okay um i don't know how to set up a web store so i don't know how we're going to go about that yet but uh if you want to find us on facebook or reach out we're we're going to have a couple different designs of t-shirts going to bring some hats i'd want to be fully stocked and loaded so But that is it, everybody. Thank you so much. And on behalf of Andrew and I, till next time, the two-point conversation is...